Greetings, ladies and gents, and welcome to this latest version of uh, Tales, Tales from Outer Space, where I take an HFY story from somewhere around the internet and read it aloud for your enjoyment. All the relevant links are down below. Like, subscribe, and all that YouTube comf to help this video and channel grow. Anyways, as always, I hope that you enjoy. I would just like to thank the following tier 5 patrons and channel members for supporting the channel. Fallen Angel. Buzz Kennington, Data Magnet, and Bob the Dragon. Thank you again, and now on to the story. Story number one, Underestimation, written by Tiny Bard. We thought that the humans would be easy to conquer. They had barely reached the planets closest to them with robotic probes. They had no knowledge of directed energy weapons or hyperspace travel. Their planet would be a welcome prize for the Empire. We launched devastating, simultaneous attacks against their military installations. We thought that without the war cost, the rest would fall easily. To be fair, we were right at first. We landed our forces for a ground assault to avoid their nuclear weapons and made incredible progress. We took many of their larger cities and annihilated their resistance in the first two days of our arrival. We had begun to congratulate ourselves at the subjugation of another world... Then the third day dawned, and our progress stopped. We had been opposed only by a small number of the war caste, who were not in their military bases. We assumed that they had been guarding the leader class or policing the worker class, and there weren't that many of them left. But when the third day dawned, they came at us with a ferocity that we'd never before encountered. They had somehow found numbers to replenish those that we had slain. We were stunned by the resistance and lost ground for the first time in the war. The next day was worse. It seemed that the fury of the dead possessed them. Cities which had been fully under control exploded in violence, with war costs popping out of seemingly nowhere to attack our forces. We were totally caught off guard. Their life cycles were comparable to ours, so how could they possibly have raised more war costs in just three days? We would not learn the answer until we managed to capture one of their warbands. They were not only war class, after all, but a mixture of worker class, leader class, and even some children no more than 16 revolutions of the planet old. It was then that we discovered that they did not have castes. They were not raised in a single path of birth as we were. They chose their own occupations as they grew. We had underestimated the adaptability of humanity. Every human, every man, woman, and child rose up against us. The very planet itself seemed to burn with an angry fire that wanted us gone. For the first time in living memory, the Empire suffered a crushing military defeat at the hands of primitives. We fled from that world with their nuclear fire, chasing our ships from orbit. We regrouped at the edge of the solar system. Our leader cast had been slain in our retreat, and so we waited for a replacement from Homeworld. The new leader cast came with the decision from the High Emperor himself that this could not be allowed. No one could defeat the Empire and live to tell about it. The humans must be destroyed utterly. And so we laid a course for their world, but we were stopped almost as soon as we began. There was a massive hyperspace interdiction field around the entire solar system. Such a feat was something only theorized by the most brilliant of our thinker class. 
an interdiction field of such size and strength as to render the space the size of a star system inaccessible. The humans had, in the space of half a revolution of their planet, achieved a technical feat that was beyond our own. We were unable to fill the wishes of the High Emperor. It would take our faster ship several years to reach the human's planet, and they would see us coming long enough to set up all manner of deadly traps in our way. And so we set up a line of observational satellites around the star system, focused upon their planet. What we saw scared us almost as much as their ferocity at war. The humans had united together in the face of an external enemy. All the resources of their world were focused on preparing. There were massive shipyards in orbit around their world, each turning out dizzying numbers of ships and satellites. It was not until another half-cycle later that we made another, even more terrifying discovery. They could use hyperspace within their own interdiction field. Ships were popping in and out of hyperspace all over the system. Outposts were quickly established on nearly everything bigger than a boulder throughout the system. We had underestimated the efficiency of humanity. What we had thought of as an easy addition to the vassal worlds of the Empire had turned into the most secure system in the entire galaxy. Then our ships began to explode. Ten rotations after our retreat, as if the hand of some angry god had reached out to smite us, five of our largest observational fleet blossomed into massive fireballs. A moment later, five more ships were torn to shreds. Within minutes, the fleet was reduced by half. The leader cast ordered a full retreat. Once again, the invisible navy of the Empire was forced to retreat from these humans, this time because of a weapon that we could not even see. Once the remains of the fleet were several light years away from the dreaded humans, the thinker cast of our fleet began pouring over the data from just before the ships began to explode. They discovered hyperspace disturbances, as if the ships were re-entering real space. One of their observational satellites was being recalibrated, happened to catch sight of the vessel. A hunk of metal, shaped like one of the human's ballistic projectiles, emerged from hyperspace at a very large percentage of the speed of light and impacted the warship. This lug was too small to hold a hyperdrive, about the size of one of their weird ground vehicles. How had they gotten such a small thing into hyperspace? We queried one of the remaining observational satellites. After some searching, we found them. Five massive stations in orbit around their star, each one shaped vaguely like a gun. The Thinkergast, who made the discovery, soiled themselves upon realizing what they were. Hyperspace cannons. Another technological marvel, built from the sturdy of technology we left behind. The humans were a force to be reckoned with. They no longer had the numbers to fight a conventional war. Even ten cycles later, they could not have replenished the numbers to anywhere close to what they would need to wage an interstellar warfare. So they accomplished with quality what they could no longer do with quantity. They waged war with no casualties on their side. We had underestimated humanity's ingenuity. And wage war they did. Military installations, shipyards, food production, all were targets of the human's hyperspace cannons. Fear of the human menace spread across the entire empire. It was only after everything was over that we realized that the human ships had spread across the stars, acting as scouts, 
reporting coordinates for strikes. With each strike came one demand from the humans. Surrender! Broadcast in our own language. We tried to fight back. Our own hyperspace cannons were destroyed before completion. Somehow, the humans always found them under construction. Finally, the Imperial Palace itself was destroyed, leveled by shots from two of the cannons. We had no choice. Without having seen any humans face to face for nearly 15 cycles, we surrendered completely and unconditionally. We were forced to disarm, free all conquered vassal worlds, and pay reparations to those wronged by the Empire. Then, humanity emerged. They spread across the stars and, uh, to everyone's surprise, began to help rebuild. Riots and destruction had followed the death of the royal family. The humans put a stop to it. They calmed the riots, distributed food, and cared for the injured. Even Imperials were cared for equally. We had underestimated humanity's compassion. An excerpt from the cast Lord Quark's speech upon the occasion of liberated Imperium's acceptance into the United Galactic Council, July 6, 2060. Mr. Quag was one of the first Old Empire's warcasts to change careers following the dissolution of the Old Empire, August 21, 2035. End of story. Story number two. A brief look at an actual Terran military ship, written by Quasar Ironfist. We somehow got a tour of a human heavy patrol ship. Considering we are yet to see a bigger ship in the Navy, or anyone else's Navy, we presume and hope that the name is a joke and that it's in fact the biggest warship they have. Presumably. The Vigilant class, informally known as the Not-A-Gash-Giant class, has an impressive array of capabilities and weaponry, though a fair bit is classified. Starting off with the direct weaponry. It has 3,000 stellar detonation weapons, for redundancy and critical functions, 30,000 planet-cracking kinetic launchers, 300,000 anti-capital ship weapons, a mix of kinetics, missiles, and lasers, 3 million anti-corvette weapons, again, a mixture of kinetics, missiles, and lasers. Finally, it has anti-personnel weapons scattered across the hull. By anti-personnel, we mean it shoots someone across a star system and through a planet or three, and leaves only a small hole through anything in its path, with uh, minimal collateral damage. All of that is standard anyway. Crews are encouraged to add their own personal touch. Defense. There are at least 300 point defense weapons, both for taking down fighter craft and missiles, covering any given point on its hull. Each point of its hull. As in, there's a whole lot more in total. The armor itself is, I'm afraid to say, incredibly classified. The warp blocking and EW suites are, uh, excessive. As for the shielding, uh, they had to, relatively speaking, massively lower it so that we could get within hundreds of thousands of kilometers of it without hallucinating being made of berries. The shielding is quite strong. Movement. The movement is done entirely by gravity manipulation, so that there are no exposed engines. Such devices are also responsible for making sure that the mass of the ship doesn't deorbit anything in the star system itself. Utility. This thing isn't the only unstoppable juggernaut. It's an unstoppable juggernaut that can repair itself and churn out entire fleets. 
It utilizes a combination of mining vessels and stellar lifters to acquire material. Considering its fabrication capabilities, it can, theoretically speaking, patrol an area of space for essentially forever, until the heat death of the universe. Oh, and given a bit of time and a lot of raw resources, it can make more of itself. End of story. And that, my friends, concludes this video. I hope that you enjoyed, and if you do, please consider supporting the author, even by popping over and leaving a thumbs up or a nice comment just to show your appreciation for the story. However, if you wish to support this channel, there are links down below which will help immensely. I will see you all in the next one, and until then, I hope that you have a fantastic day. Cheers.